Our scripture reading this morning is from the first chapter of Luke, and it actually picks up with the very next verse from where Cassidy just left off reading for us just a moment ago. So let's, let's read it together. We're in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. This Sunday, the the third Sunday of Advent, is often referred to as Gaudet Sunday. Gaudet is the Latin word that means rejoice. It's a day during this season of preparation where we take a moment to focus in on the joy that we believe we have access to now and also that we trust and believe the Christ child is bringing with him yet again just one week from now. So this week, kind of all week, joy has been on my mind. And and laying in bed a few days ago, I found myself thinking back to 2019 when a show seemed to take over Netflix for a brief period of time. And I'm betting you either saw commercials for this show or maybe you even watched a little bit of this show because it was one of those seasons where it seemed like for just a few weeks, Everybody was watching at least an episode or two of this show together. And the show is called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Do y'all remember that show? The premise of the show is really, really simple. Marie Kondo is someone who has a deep passion for organization. Thank God for people like her, right? And she's one of those people that loves messes because it means there's an opportunity for her to step in and do a little bit of tidying and organizing. So much so that the whole show was her going to different people's homes that were full of clutter, like borderline hoarder folks, right? I mean, they just had stuff everywhere, clothes and kitchen gadgets and pictures and pantries that were overflowing that hadn't been cleaned out for years and closets that were stuffed to the brim, just collections of random stuff that they had accumulated over the course of their life. And she would go in and guide families in tidying up their homes. But it was through her very specific tidying method. And her method was was really simple, and yet I think it's also really profound because her guiding principle was, was this, and I bet a lot of you remember it. If it doesn't spark joy, then throw it out. With the idea being, if you follow her method, joy will be more present in your life and in your home. Because suddenly where you live will be a place that doesn't make you frustrated, but will be only full of things that you have decided spark joy within you. 
In 2019, when that show premiered, Madison and I were living in Dallas and we felt like the walls of our apartment were closing in on us because we just had so much stuff crammed in there. Plus we had a golden retriever puppy that wanted to put all of that stuff in his mouth at the same time. And I remember using her method. We kind of watched the show and that fire got lit within us, you know? And we started to use her method to go through some of our stuff. I remember specifically, we piled up all of our clothes onto the bed and went through every t-shirt, every pair of jeans, every pair of shoes. And if it didn't spark joy, we supported one another in that courage. It's a courageous act for me, that courageous act of throwing out an old t-shirt that you know you're never gonna wear again, but it's just so hard to let go of in the moment. And the more I thought about it this week, I think the popularity of that show and of her method, it revealed a couple of things about us. The first is that we all probably have more stuff than we need. We have more clothes, we have more shoes, more forks, more crock pots, more tools, you name it, right? We probably have more of it than we actually need on a day-to-day basis. So the idea of, of decluttering, especially when it becomes the popular thing to do for a brief period of time, it sucked in a lot of folks, myself included. But the other thing that I think it revealed is how hungry we are for joy. I mean, sure, right? Marie is an organization expert in her practices and her tips. They work great. What she guides people through on the show, if you apply it in your home, your home will suddenly become a very tidy home. We still fold our t-shirts the way that she tells you to fold your t-shirts on the show. And we're like four years removed now. It works, y'all, I promise But the reason the show became so popular, I think, is because she didn't make it about having a clean home. She made it about having a joyful home, a home that sparks joy. And I remember when I first heard about the show and I saw the first commercial where it has her saying something like that, I remember thinking, wait a minute. All I have to do is organize my apartment and there's a chance that I'm going to be filled with joy. I'm willing to give that a shot if that's a possible outcome for me. And I don't think there's any way that I could have been the only one. I mean, I'm pretty convinced that that at least in part, the reason that she gained such a following so quickly is because we as a society are so hungry for joy. I mean, we desperately want to spark joy in our lives. And if there's a chance that by throwing out a couple of old t-shirts, that will become a reality for us, I think most of us would be willing to give it a shot. Because I don't know about for you, but for me, in everyday life, joy often feels like something that is just out of reach. Like something that we can see in the distance, but we just can't quite grasp it and, and hold on to it and pull it in. I mean, if we, if we just spend a moment thinking about what would make us be filled with joy? What would make us shout for joy? What would make us rejoice without any inhibition? I begin to think about stuff like this. Someone who's really close to us, who's been really sick for a really long time, who has not a great prognosis, suddenly and miraculously being healed of their disease. Or I think about news breaking that suddenly all of the wars that are being waged around the world, suddenly they've all stopped. 
And it seems like world peace is actually on the table for us for once. Or that all of our money worries or all of our business worries have somehow been sorted out and solved permanently. Or getting a phone call that we've suddenly received and and gotten the job of our dreams. And that we're going to reach the pinnacle of our career that we never really knew if we were going to reach, but now it's, it's a reality. My guess is that if any of those things were to happen to you, you would be filled with joy. So much so that you might even burst into song. I mean, if if one of those things happened in your life, it would be hard to not pick up the phone and share that good news with anyone that would listen. I think it would be one of those feelings. It would be hard to contain the excitement and, and that joyful expectation of how you feel like your life is now different. That, that moment right there is where Mary finds herself in Luke 1. She is bursting into song because of her joy. She can't contain herself. She has so much joy bubbling up within her. I mean, the first line of that song is this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. All in chapter one of Luke, Mary finds out that she is pregnant with the Christ child and then makes a trip to the Judean hill country to visit the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah, which is the passage that Cassidy read for us. And Elizabeth is just a little bit further along in her pregnancy, and she is also expecting a son who will be John the Baptist. And they share this beautiful moment together that we read where John the Baptist leaps for joy in the womb of Elizabeth when Mary enters the room, and we're told that the Holy Spirit even shows up. And it's the joy in that room and the joy that Mary is holding within her that causes her to burst out into song. But the truth, I think if we're honest with ourselves, is that Mary actually had plenty of reasons to not be bursting with joy. She was a young girl, maybe 13 or 14 years old. She wasn't yet married, and yet she found herself pregnant, which in the first century is a far from ideal place for a young woman to find themselves for a whole host of reasons. Not to mention the the side eye that I'm sure Mary would have caught on her way to visit Elizabeth or the rumors that had begun to spread around town about her. And then on top of that, we know that Mary was not a wealthy person and that really with her place in society, she held no significant power and no real influence and that her fiance Joseph wasn't any different, that he was a carpenter's apprentice. If anything, right now in this moment, Mary has every reason to still be in shock and to still be in a panic mode around how her life has just drastically changed, still wrapping her head around the news that the angel has brought to her, still reeling from that conversation that she had to sit down and have with Joseph, her fiancé, still lying in bed at night wondering how they're going to pay for diapers and how they're going to pay for daycare, worrying about which crib is fit for the Messiah to take naps in. I mean, all of those things. My point is that by our standards, joy should have been out of reach for Mary in this moment. And yet, 
It takes one chapter for her to be bursting out in song. And it's not because someone who was close to her has been healed of their sickness. It's not because all of her money worries have have disappeared. If anything, that's only got more complicated in her life right now. It's not because she got her dream job or that overnight she suddenly gained power and influence in her community. None of that has happened. Really, none of that is close to happening for Mary. Instead, her joy is rooted in two things. What God has done for her and what she believes God will do through the Christ child. I mean, hear it again. Mary's Mary's source of joy is simple. This is how she starts her song out. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked on me with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Because now all the generations will call me blessed because of what the mighty one has done for me. That's what she believes God has done for her. But she also believes that the powerful will be brought down from their thrones and the lowly will be lifted up, that the hungry will suddenly be filled with good things and that the rich will be sent away empty, that God will continue to keep the promises that he made to Abraham and his descendants. I mean, do you see it? Mary is joyful because she believes with all that she has that that this Christ child, that with him comes finally the upside-down kingdom of God that she and everybody else has been waiting on for centuries. Mary has all of the reasons in the world to not be joyful. Her circumstances, her place in society, the shock of her pregnancy, the curveball that that throws this, this young couple— All of that should be pointing her in the opposite direction of joy. Joy should be out of reach for her. And yet, she can see that with the Christ child, she has been gifted with a spark of joy. A spark of joy that doesn't have anything to do with how the junk drawer in her kitchen is organized. And you know that if you have ever built a fire from scratch, that once you get that ember to land, once, once you have that spark and it begins to glow, you have to give it oxygen and, and breathe on it so that it will catch the kindling around it on fire. It's almost like you have to coax it into becoming a fire. I feel like that's our work every year on this third Sunday of Advent, on this Gaudet Sunday, where we need to be reminded and we need to remember that we have been given the same spark of joy that Mary is given in our scripture. And every year we need to remember that there will always, always, always be things in our life challenges and struggles and unknowns that will make us believe that joy is out of reach. But that just isn't true. And I think we need to revisit Mary's song to be reminded of that, to be reminded of the story that our faith is rooted in, that God loved the world so much, that God loves you so much, 
that he was willing to send his only begotten son to walk among us, to be born in a manger, to live a human life, to die a criminal's death, so that you might know what love actually is. So that you might experience the grace of God. So that we might be a people who are redeemed and renewed. Don't believe the lie, friends. No matter where you find yourself this Christmas season, joy is within reach for us because of God's gift to us. We believe that we have been given the biggest, brightest, hottest spark of joy that the world has to give. And the question for us is what are we going to do with it? Are we going to let it burn out? Are we going to coax it into being a fire that we will find will suddenly begin to burn within us? My prayer is that we would become a little bit more like Mary this Christmas season. Choosing, maybe against all odds, to be filled with joy. A people who have a joy that is rooted in a thanks for what God has done for us, for what God has given to us and a people who are constantly looking ahead with hope and expectation for all that God will continue to do for us. Feeding that spark so that it just might grow within us. So that we too, right, might actually be a people who share that joy with others. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in The Gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.